Welcome. I'm Leslie Canham. I'm Mary Gavoni. I'm Linda Harvey. I'm Olivia Wan, and together we are the Compliance Divas. Hello, and welcome to the Compliance Divas podcast, where we bring clarity and simplicity to compliance by navigating regulatory compliance to keep you on course. My name is Linda Harvey. I'll serve as your moderator for this particular podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined with Mary Gavoni, Leslie Cannon, and Olivia Wan. Today, we'll be talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and that is the role of the safety coordinator. That is such a pivotal role on the dental team, and it's an interesting role because usually it's a clinical team member that gets this role. And oftentimes it's sort of assigned to them because everybody else has taken a step back and there's years left standing in front and you've assumed the role of being the OSHA king or queen for the practice. And this task oftentimes I feel um, is looked at like, you know, just strictly managing or maintaining the OSHA binder, if you will, and ensuring that the team gets their annual training. And there's so much more to that role. So what I'd like to do is discuss some of the different facets of that role and how we can support and enhance this role in the dental practice. Leslie, could you give us some tips on where a practice could start and how to implement, implement this role or maybe any obstacles that they're being that could be seen? Sure, Linda. Well, first of all, I would solicit uh, a volunteer if possible, somebody that really wants to embrace this role. And short of that, if there's nobody that steps forward and says, you know, hey, that's okay. I have lots of time in my schedule. I don't mind all the extra responsibility and and I'm more than happy to do the research. Then at that point, I think we need to take a look at, can we appoint somebody that uh, would be good at infection control? And can we give that person some extra time and give them the resources that they need in order to uh, access all the information that they would need to be a good safety coordinator? Uh, So that really starts out with having a foundational understanding of OSHA requirements for dentistry, and then know where to access the infection control resources that are available, starting with Centers for Disease Control. And there's multiple uh, manuals that are are out there available to help people with infection control coordinator roles. But uh, taking it to basics, the CDC guidelines for dental settings was published in 2003. And I consider that to be the Bible of infection control for dental settings. So that's the best practices or the gold standard. There were some updates that were made in 2008 to CDC guidelines for sterilization and disinfection in all healthcare settings. Uh, It was actually updated again in 2019, and that brings a little bit more focus to environmental infection control and things like hand pieces and heat sterilization of. And then uh, I would have to say the best and, and most convenient manual for infection control uh, is really the CDC 2016 checklist, which summarizes the key points of the 2003 infection control for dental settings. And it provides a wonderful checklist for the infection control coordinator to follow. So 
we have someone first that we either volunteers or we appoint to the job. We provide them with, with the reliable resources, and then we give them the authority and the responsibility to move forward with this role as infection control coordinator. Yeah, that's so, such good points, uh, Leslie. Thank you, because it does say, when you think about the basics, it's really, it's kind of, I look at it as twofold. The basics of one side is understanding and knowing the OSHA laws and standards because this role is required by OSHA and then understanding the infection control side. So Mary, what, what can you add to this point? Well, you just added the point that I wanted to, to mention, and I think it bears repeating that this is a requirement from OSHA. OSHA states very clearly in the bloodborne pathogen standard and in the hazard communication standard that someone must be appointed to be in charge of managing safety. So um, as Leslie said, you can enlist volunteers. I like that. Um, but we also need to make sure that we have someone, and we'll talk about some of those details as we go through this, this episode of how do you qualify? What what kind of characteristics do you look for in that person? Um, and making sure that there's follow-through. If that person happens to leave the practice, then making sure that someone assumes that role when someone leaves. And it also could be a shared role. Um, if one person, one of the clinical team members, as you said, who are the typical ones who assume this responsibility, if they can't do all aspects, then maybe um, somebody does infection control and prevention and someone does um, hazard communication and other safety aspects of the practice. So just a little food for thought. Absolutely. And those are all good points, Mary. And I, I love uh, when you mentioned a shared role because usually there's not enough time for one person to manage the entire role. When you look at both the OSHA and the regulatory compliance, it even involves to some degree State Dental Practice Act and understanding what those requirements are, because that varies from state to state, as well as CDC and infection control guidelines. And, and if everybody can do one little piece or 1%, then you know, at the end of the year, that 1% really elevates the practice significantly. Uh, Olivia, could you tell us a little bit about supporting this role? What have you seen over the years in your consulting experience, You know, speaking of time and all the ways that we can support this role to be sure they're successful? Thank you, Linda. In speaking to groups over the years, it seems like the concern is having enough time to do the job properly. So we encourage dental practices to actually build it into their schedule. So if someone is assuming this role, they should consult with the office manager and dentist to make sure that the time is allocated on the schedule. And so they'll need a block of time to get things in order and then they'll need to reserve time month to month to be sure that projects are completed in a timely manner. So we never want to wait for a no-show appointment to get things done because there's always things on our short list, such as sharpening instruments, ordering supplies, and other things that we have to do. I encourage management to include the role of the safety coordinator in a job description. So there is accountability for this added job duty in managing safety. Years ago, when I worked in a general practice, I was voluntold to take on this role. I loved 
compliance. I loved infection control and I was a detail oriented person. And so the dentist that I worked for asked me to take on this responsibility and I took it very seriously. We encourage people to join organizations such as OSAP to continue learning about infection control and compliance and also to follow this timely podcast. Another thing to consider, Linda, is allocating the budget. So in other words, there is cost involved with compliance. So whether the practice chooses to outsource compliance or purchase the tools that a safety coordinator needs, it's important to add this to the budget to be sure that this project is completed properly. Olivia, those are all such valid points, and I could pick any, any one of those and just talk for, for hours probably, <laughs> but to kind of wrap up and just kind of, you know, um, yeah, just kind of really, um, I don't know, in sync with what you're saying is that one, they need time in the schedule, has to be budgeted time in the schedule because the projects are all ongoing. And what does a project refer to? It's whether you're, in your, you're reviewing a section of the manual, you're making sure it's up to date or you're helping to onboard a new team member, there's all kinds of various tasks that need to be completed. And it's you, we can't essentially wait for the new team member to get trained in a month or two because you've got annual training scheduled coming up. They have to be trained according to the time frame that OSHA prescribes. So compliance is really an ongoing facet. And if they don't build in the resources and the budget for it, you know that's just almost setting the practice up for failure. Um, and so much like we see, there's a budget for marketing, there's a budget for your supplies, there's a budget for salaries, a budget for all different areas, IT and computers. Um, there really should be some, some portion of the budget that's allocated to um, you know, compliance as well. Um, Leslie, earlier you mentioned, I want to change gears just a second here. And Leslie, a minute ago, you mentioned you know, an aspect, uh, one of the basics being infection control as part of this duty. And so can you tell us a little bit about this ever-growing role in a dental practice of a sterilization tech and, and how is that maybe even a little different than a safety coordinator or is it different? Well, yes, there is a difference. And uh, what I found is that a lot of busy dental practices have found that their skilled dental assistants, sometimes in some cases, registered dental assistants or expanded function dental assistants, uh, of course, are more productive when they're working at the chair side. And so they hire someone to take care of the instrument processing in the sterilization room, which is a wonderful idea. And uh, a sterilization tech can be a huge assistance and add a lot of time to uh, the dental assistant's schedule. So when it comes to the sterilization room, there are certain protocols that must be followed. And we can't just take someone that had maybe a job as a, a dishwasher or a bus person in a restaurant or maybe a waiter or a waitress and then put them in a clinical jacket, hand them a pair of utility gloves and say, here, you're the sterilization tech. Due to the shortage of what we're seeing today of, of, of dental assistants in the profession or people who are leaving the profession, leaving openings, we're finding ourselves shorthanded. And as a result of that, people are being hired without the adequate training behind them to really understand what it is they need to do. 
why instruments need to be cleaned before they can be sterilized, why surfaces need to be cleaned before disinfectants can do their job. And so uh, the, the role of the, uh, the sterilization tech would, would sometimes will be the person that might clear a treatment room or go in and, and disinfect the surfaces and get things ready for the next patient. We need to really make sure that that person has good foundational understanding of infection control and infection transmission before we put them in that role. Wow, that's powerful, Leslie. That's very powerful and very, very important. Uh, Mary, what else would you add to that? Well, I have to share my story that emphasizes the importance of what Leslie talked about and making sure that training is adequate and there's comprehension of the training. Years ago in a dental practice that I was consulting in, there was a new team member who was hired, literally had worked at a McDonald's um, and was hired in to be the sterilization technician. It was a very busy um, multiple doctor practice. And she didn't remember a lot from her training, but one of the things she remembered was that you don't put the instruments away unless there's black lines on the autoclave tape on the packages. And so what they were doing, um, and it's still not as common, but it's still used today, um, nylon tubing or nyclave as, as it's called in some cases, um, that was cut to length for the instruments and it was sealed with autoclave tape on each end of the pouches. And when she couldn't figure out how or couldn't remember how to operate the autoclave, she just got out a Sharpie and a ruler and drew in the lines on the packages. So fortunately, it hadn't been happening for more than a day by the time I came into the practice to do an evaluation, but that's a pretty serious breach of infection um, prevention. And again, speaks to the training. We need to be making sure that we do some competency um, testing with folks if they're brand new to dentistry, brand new to sterilization. So we know, you know, demonstrate how to operate the sterilizer, how to inspect the instruments after they're cleaned to make sure there's no debris. Eric, what's going through my mind, as you said, that was the each one teach one philosophy. And we really can't rely on that in these critical roles in healthcare, and particularly dentistry, because how do we know that what's currently being done by a current staff member is current um, and that they were adequately trained or were they just trained by the each one teach one method? And so it, you, we have to provide the resources, as you've already mentioned. Um, Olivia, let's turn to a couple of things here about some considerations then when you hire a sterilization tech with no dental background, what are some of the pros and cons and that you would see in that scenario? Well, first, it's important to recognize that this is a very critical job responsibility. And even if license is not required in whatever state the person is working in, training is critical for success and for the safety and health of not only the fellow team members, but also the patients. And so when someone understands the science of why we do what we do for infection prevention and control, then they will be more likely to comply with the guidance, just as Mary's example pointed out. And so this individual must really understand instrument back, uh, instrument management. So if they don't have a background in dentistry, then they really lack 
the the science of understanding how all these pieces fit together. Now, one of my clients is a multi-location pediatric practice, and they actually designated their top, one of their top dental assistants to serve in this capacity. So rather than electing to hire an entry-level person with no knowledge, they took one of their most skilled clinical team members and allowed them to manage this area of the practice, which is so critical for safety. And they had great success because not only was she in charge of documentation, but she was also in charge of ensuring that team members were trained properly for infection prevention and control. So I would say, Linda, this is a key consideration in hiring a sterilization tech that they have a dental background to give them a platform to stand on. And if they are not a a licensed team member, that we really give them the opportunity to be trained properly. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, Olivia. And I think there's always more than one way to approach uh, anything, whether it's, you know, these roles or any other project or problem that we're working on in life even. And so while I think, um, you know, offices may be looking at one way of hiring an individual with no training, it's important that we first look at, can we achieve that goal by leveraging somebody who does have the dental background experience to really add the knowledge that's needed for that role? Uh, Mary, when you think about training and everything, tell us how we could help, you know, someone, whether they've got experience or not experienced in dentistry, to go deeper and to learn more about specifically infection control. Mm, Absolutely. And we have some great resources. I think, Leslie, you were the one that mentioned earlier about OSAP. And so if our listeners are not familiar with OSAP, this is the Organization for Safety, Asepsis and Prevention, OSAP.org. Go visit their website. They have a tremendous number of resources. And one of the things that OSEP has done is partnered with the Dental Assisting National Board, um, Danby, and they have created a certification program for someone who is the infection control coordinator in a practice. So there is an amazing, very in-depth education course, an online course that you can complete And there are other criteria that need to be completed in order to earn this certification as the infection control coordinator. But it is such a phenomenal program um, for dental practices to tap into, if you will, for training for these folks, whether it's the sterilization tech or it's the person who's going to be the OSHA manager, the infection control coordinator in the practice that's supervising, as you said, Olivia, supervising all the things that are that are being done. So we will put the links and some information about OSAP and about the Danby um, Dale Foundation, where you can access this training Um, this education course in the certification program. And we encourage all of our listeners to investigate that and um, find out if that's something that fits within your practice. But especially think about um, perhaps becoming a member of OSAP. And OSAP does a 
an annual conference for the last several years. Obviously, it's been a virtual conference because of COVID-19, but there also is another great resource that happens every January, and it's called the OSAP Boot Camp. And these are the really heavy-duty basics of infection prevention and control that we talked about that um, someone who's either going to be the sterilization tech or the infection control coordinator can benefit from. Many times, or most of the time, that um, boot camp is an in person program, but again, it's been held virtually because of COVID. But with between OSAP and the Dale Foundation, I think we've got the best resource for infection control education for our dental team members. Oh, Mary, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that OSAP is a must when we start thinking about the basic tools and knowledge that um, all dental practices need for the infection control coordinator. So as, as the divas get ready to wrap up this podcast, let's go round robin and see if we have any uh, wrap up points or um, tips for our listeners. Leslie? Well, thank you, Linda. What I want to impress upon our listeners is that uh, the role of the infection control coordinator is a position where not only have we dedicated the authority to that person to be able to approach others in the practice and say, I found a mistake or we're doing something incorrectly or you're doing something incorrectly. And I know that's tough to confront people and uh, point out something was wrong. So the other team members really need to come together and make a decision that we're going to support our infection control coordinator by thanking that person for bringing it to our attention. We're not going to get defensive. We're going to do our very best to provide optimal patient care and safety. And if there's something that's not safe and we don't recognize that we're not performing uh, infection control properly, we do need to have that addressed. So we need to be gracious and be sure that we don't make it hard for the infection control coordinator to approach us. The other thing I want to point out for the doctors that are listening to our presentation today, um, the safety coordinator role is not a good job for you. You are the one that needs to see patients, that needs to run a business, that needs to, to uh, dedicate their time to overall uh, care of your dental practice. So your eyes can't be everywhere at the same time. Whereas if we dedicate one person the uh, role, the responsibility, that the, we deputize them, if you will, to be able to approach other people, then they're going to be very efficient at what they do. And of course, the doctors will be efficient at what they do, which is providing dentistry. Fabulous, Leslie. Those are some great, great points. And, and many times over the team members all shy away from confrontation because they're trying to be compatible and everybody have a harmonious workflow and workday. And I think maybe they need to maybe think of it as clarify. Let's clarify what you're doing and why you're doing it. Olivia, what, what, go ahead. I also have a, a closing suggestion. We encourage practices that we work with that once they designate a safety coordinator, that they issue a memo or post a memo in the break area so that everyone is familiar with the person that now has that responsibility and also in practicing and, and providing little quizzes with team members, we will ask, actually ask them during a walkthrough who is the designated safety coordinator just to make sure that everyone is familiar with that role. And if they have multiple locations, then we ask that they have an assistant 
safety coordinator for each location that all report to the main safety coordinator. So then we also need to understand what the authority level is of that role. So if they do see an infraction, as Leslie pointed out, that you know they will know whether to go to management or is that something that they can handle uh, initially based on the severity of the incident. Thanks, Olivia. Those are great points as well. And I love the fact that we can illustrate and, and support this role as a team and with the doctor and leadership and everything. Mary. I always recommend that teams put safety, infection control, OSHA compliance, however you want to title it, um, as an agenda item for their team meetings. So they can always address any issues that have come up. And the other thing to remember is that if there's ever some kind of an exposure incident or there's a breach um, in infection control, maybe instruments didn't, um, the indicators on the instrument pouches didn't change. And we found out maybe after the fact, when we looked at the empty package, that that these instruments may not have been sterilized, that you need to have a meeting with everyone and really discuss what happened, why it happened, and how we prevent those issues from happening again. So safety should always be an agenda item. Safety should always be in the back of everyone's minds. And if something happens, we talk about it. We understand how and why it happened, and again, make a plan for how to prevent ourselves from repeating that mistake. Leslie, what thoughts do you have on that? Well, you know, as Mary said, we need to prevent these breaches and infection control from happening. And I just want to remind our listeners that sometimes these breaches occur and they become national media headlines. So in addition to protecting your patient, you want to protect the reputation of your practice. And it's a wise investment to spend time and money on infection control training, especially for your safety coordinator, to make sure that you're not under the microscope of the news media. Oh, absolutely. Perfect. And Mary, I echo your sentiments. We also do, you know, recommend that they put safety compliance and OSHA on the team meeting agenda, even if just a very short mention of that. And I think when you go to troubleshoot issues that arise, whether it's unsterilized instruments or something that wasn't done properly, in medicine, they would call that a root cause analysis. So I think adopting that in dentistry is a very good protocol. Well, we thank you all for joining us on today's podcast. We ask you to please subscribe to the Compliance Divas podcast through your favorite podcast channel or on our website, thecompliancedivas.com, if you haven't already. And as Mary mentioned earlier, we'll have the resources that we talked about during today's podcast on our website, thecompliancedivas.com. And in the meantime, we invite the safety coordinators of the world. If you have questions and you need support or or anyone regarding the topic today, you may reach out to us via email at support at thecompliancedivas.com. That's support at thecompliancedivas.com. And thank you for joining us.